Support for WLVR comes from the Pennsylvania Horticultural Society, inviting all home gardeners in the tri-state area to enter the 2020 PHS Gardening Contest, now through Friday, June 26th. This year's virtually-based contest will be judged online based on photo submissions of home gardens. More at phsonline.org slash gardening contest. From the sweltering studios of Rodale Institute Radio and Television at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, it is time for another overseas episode of Chemical Free Horticultural Hijinks. You bet your garden. I'm your host, Mike McGrath. Do you have little white butterflies flittering around your garden? Be warned that the babies of these pestiferous flyers would like to gorge themselves on all your brassicas. Plus, slugs continue to be a prime topic this season. And in addition to repeating a few tips, we'll explain why copper is a shocking solution to the problem of slimers. And of course, we will take that heap and help it. Of your telecommunicated questions, comments, tips, tricks, suggestions, and histronically heroic harumph-utations. So keep your eyes and or ears right here, cats and kittens, because it's all coming up faster than you shocking your slugs with images of Abe Lincoln right after this. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Lehigh Valley Health Network. In life, we have many kinds of partners. School bus partners, business partners, even gardening partners. Shouldn't you have one for the most important aspect of life, your health? Lehigh Valley Health Network, your health deserves a partner. Welcome to another all-new episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio and Television at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Yes, that is where we are. All right, we're going to take lots of your fabulous phone calls today. We are going to answer a listener's questions from Scotland, and the answers pertain to American gardens just as well, if perhaps not more, and probably all sorts of foolishness with Ducky and the robot and me. So we're going to get started. 833-727-9588. Christine, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thanks, Mike. Hello, Christine. How are you doing? Uh, so far today, pretty good. Okay. And where is Christine doing pretty good? Uh, Christine is doing pretty good in West Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Is this the angel of the airwaves, our own Christine Dempsey? You got it, Mike. <laughs> that, that's it. What was that show? Uh, what's my line? Tell the truth. Yeah. <laughs> Who am I? You know, I don't know. All yeah. right. Well, you're, you're as welcome as a civilian to call in. What can we do you for? So um, I would say that I am an occasional gardener. And uh, I, I was for three years, I was living in an apartment and am um, back in my house. And I have my yard, which I'm very happy about. So I decided to plant some vegetables. Mm -hmm. But the, uh, the biggest obstacle I have are evil squirrels. Oh, yes, absolutely. Menace to all society. What exactly are they doing? They like to dig into anything that I plant. Right. Um, I've moved to taking some of your advice. I moved to container gardening right? Uh, b because I found that that's easier, a little bit easier if I lift them up. Right. Uh, and I may be able to pr protect them a bit more. But if I do want to plant anything um, like in a box in the ground, then I have issues because they're, they're constantly digging at anything that I plant. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have black walnuts popping up all over my garden, and I curse the <laughs> evil squirrels every time I find one. Now, 
Uh, do you feed the birds? Yes, I do. Okay. And actually, upon, upon your advice, Mike, I will say this. I did buy a uh, bird bath. Good. So I have a bird bath, and that's kind of in uh, a garden area. Okay. Well, that's fine. The bird bath won't uh, uh, attract the evil squirrels. But you should not be feeding seed during the time of your summertime gardening. The, the birds clearly don't need it, and you're feeding the squirrels. You're increasing their population, you're falling into their trap. You're feeding the enemy. When the season is over, put up suet feeders instead of feeding seed. That way you don't attract rats and mice and voles and squirrels with the spilled seed, and it attracts the birds who are best at eating your garden pests in the summertime. To get directly to your problem, this is not a difficult solution. Um, go to a hardware store, and buy a roll of chicken wire. Lay it over the top of the raised bed. This is easiest done in the beginning of the season, um, but just cut holes for your plants and try not to do too much damage, but cover all the open areas with this uh, chicken wire and staple it down on the edges of your raised beds. The squirrels will not be able to dig anything up. It also keeps feral cats out of your garden. Now, another solution is, do you have a dog? I've got two of them. And what are the breeds? Uh, one is a terrier mutt, and the other one's a lasso opso. Okay. Um, well, you know, can the terrier be out in the yard? Yep, they both are out in the yard, yeah. Okay, uh, you know, because squirrels do not like dogs, and dogs hate squirrels. Do you have anybody in the neighborhood with a big furry dog? Not that I know of, no. One of the things... Uh, the people in the Netherlands uh, who grow all our spring bulbs taught me years ago was that if you mulch your beds with dog hair, squirrels will avoid it because they smell the dog around and they can't see it and they don't want to get into a dog fight. And dog hair, believe it or not, is actually very high in nitrogen and it'll decompose very slowly. But as it does, it actually feeds your soil and it is a great protection against slug damage as well. The slugs get all tied up in the hair and they can't get it off them. So if you can get brushings from a big furry dog, either from your vet or a friend or something like that, you can add that in there. But I guarantee uh, stapling chicken wire over the open portions of your bed will stymie them. Yeah. Now, I do have a, a, there are a couple of things that I've, I've heard about, and I just don't know if they're true. So is coffee a deterrent, ground coffee? Oh, no, no, you'll just make them more active. Really? And yeah, and then they'll be looking for donuts and bothering the neighbors. <laughs> now, what about um, eggshells? Eggshells can be a deterrent against slugs, kind of, sometimes. If you crush them up and put them in the planting hole of tomatoes, it prevents blossom end rot. But there's no reason it would keep evil squirrels away. They oh. would probably chew them because it would be good for their teeth. Ah. And, and the last thing that I, I do have as part of my garden is I have a, uh, a plastic owl with a rotating head. Um, and it's solar powered, so every now and then I have it on a big stick. Right. By the plants, and the, the head will rotate. Mm -hmm. uh, I've used that before in the past. It seems to do some good. Uh-huh. You are going to come out into your garden one morning, 
and the squirrels will have dressed it up in some sort of stupid costume. <laughs> you know, there are creatures that avoid places with owls. People mostly put them on their roofs uh, to keep away pigeons in the city, or in this case, to keep evil squirrels from actually breaking into their attics and nesting there. So the hmm. chicken wire is once and done. Um, you know, use it for this season. Next season, uh, you know, take it off and put down a fresh layer. And then when you want to plant, if you're, if you're planting seeds, you, you don't have to do anything. The seeds will come up in the chicken wire hole. If you're planting uh -huh. something bigger like a tomato or a pepper, just use a pair of wire cutters to make the smallest possible opening and don't give them any place to get in. If you see that you've made holes kind of too big for your existing plants, just cut little pieces and, and wrap them around and really cover up that open area. Great. Okay. What purpose do squirrels provide? None. None. Okay. Whatsoever. You know, God Please. was having a bad day when he made ticks and squirrels. <laughs> or when she made well, ticks and squirrels. Yeah. Well, thank you, Mike. This is a um, long-time listener, first-time caller, so thank you for the experience. <laughs> thank you, Christine. Stay safe. <laughs> you too. Bye-bye. Linda, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Linda, or afternoon, or evening, or whatever time it is when, uh, when people listen to this show. How are you? I'm just great. How are you? Just <laughs> Ducky, thanks for asking. Ducky is happy to be part of a new show again. We got him a new mask and everything. So he's a happy little duck. Well, uh, you, might, you might be interested in knowing that I, I discovered your show on TV uh, before, uh, just recently since, the, since all the, the being locked down. Right. And I used to listen to you on the radio. So I, I love your show, and I really appreciate all the information that you give, especially all the new pointers for, for the new vegetable garden people, which I am. Right, exactly. I feel... <laughs> obligated. And one thing I learned back when I was the editor of Organic Gardening magazine, you can't assume that what is common knowledge to you, meaning me from 35 years of experience, um, might not be common knowledge to somebody who's gardened even longer than I do. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of like that, the book or the phrase, everything you ever need to know, you'll learn in kindergarten. Well, <laughs> I have heard that. <laughs> yep. Um, I live in Yardley, which is just down the Delaware River uh, from where your studios are. Right. Uh, we're about three miles south of Washington Crossing State Park. I'll get in my kayak right now. Yeah, we see them all the time. <laughs> On occasion, we've seen things like refrigerators floating down the river. <laughs> oh, but... <laughs> <laughs> With somebody um, in them paddling, you know? A refrigerator? No, <laughs> unfortunately not. <laughs> That's a great image, though. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's really beautiful here in historic Bucks County, and we've been li I've been living here most of my life, and mm -hmm. I, um, we've been living in this house uh, just one block off the Delaware River for about uh, 21 years, and um, we've planted many um, trees and, and uh, lower-tier trees and, and um, uh, all kinds of perennials and shrubs um, over the years. And we've created a very uh, naturalized sanctuary here. And I really don't like things that are too, too neat and trimmed. I kind of like we, we create a wonderful place for all our critters and to, to come visit us. And uh, one day it looked like a, uh, we, we had so many in an early spring. We had so many animals, different types of animals, pairs of animals in the spring. 
Uh-huh. And um, it looked like a scene from like uh, Snow White. It was really <laughs> re- it, true. True. Did, I had geese on come? the potting shed, and I, it was a bit crazy. It Did they crazy. come into the kitchen and do your dishes for you? you know? uh, no, but I have a robin that visits me regularly, and I talk to her a lot. Okay. Well, that's <laughs> what happens when people get cooped up for months. Well, a couple years ago, three years ago, actually, we planted a uh, not planted. We built a um, a, a fairly large, a twenty foot by eighteen foot deck onto the back of the house. Mm-hmm. And um, again, I, everything is fairly naturalized, so I'm not the type to put up, you know, to plant like a total screen there uh, underneath it, but it's, it's raised about four feet off the ground. And um, uh, I, I'm interested in trying to uh, plant something under it that would, uh, we, that, would, that would keep the weeds and the mud and the you know the dirt just just clean it up, and um, <clears throat> that we wouldn't have to maintenance. And I was told originally that stones would create a drainage problem, and we have oh, and a weedy mess. Well, and we have a high water level here being so close to the river, so right. that's always an issue. But yeah, is there anything that, that, I, can, that I can plant other underneath you, that would you be say little the deck, maintenance? The deck is only four feet off the ground. Yes. Yeah, right, so it's not one of these second-story decks. It's just no, there no, to give no, you no, outdoor space. No, 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 this is first, first floor, yeah. <laughs> you know, I would do what, uh, I go to this place that has uh, 200 pinball machines in Asbury Park, <laughs> and, you know, the the space under a pinball machine generally you, you'll use for storage, and they just hang drapes along the side. <laughs> that's what that's what I would do, and ignore the weeds until they, they start coming up through the boards. Through the board. <laughs> well, that's one way to approach it. <laughs> I, 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 and, and that's what happens, that we do use it for a lot of storage, but again... It's it's all mud. It's uh, you know it gets when it gets uh, wet it gets all muddy. So and well, I haven't put up an apron yet. I'm just kind of waiting on that. So uh, well you know if this is a gardening show, but more and more as I realize that my my home is all uneven ground outside, mm-hmm. I have to think about uh, eventually doing some more hardscaping out there. Mm-hmm. You know if, if you uh, if you want to do something that's kind of neat and avoids the mud and the weeds, have, have you thought about, you know, just essentially pouring concrete? You can get, uh, you could just do a regular slab job, mm-hmm. or, you know, they have this beautiful stamped and colored concrete now. That's what my patio is made of. Okay. And that was installed 14 years ago. It's beautiful. It has kept its look. It's kept its finish. And... You know, you won't get any mud, you won't get any weeds mm-hmm. in the kind of Stygian blackness underneath your deck. The only thing you could really grow is moss, and then you really wouldn't be able to use it for right. outdoor storage. Right. You right. know, if, um, if the deck were a little taller or you were a little shorter, you might be able to put a gas grill down there on top of it. <laughs> on top of the concrete, but uh, that would be my solution. Um, I wouldn't do, in this case, permeable pavers, pavers that let the water go through. Right, right. Because then you got to get, and I can't even imagine pulling weeds. How many times has your family member bumped their head as as they forget that they're under a low overhang? That's my husband's job. <laughs> okay, good. But um, okay, well, thank you very much. And and I, that's kind of the way the way I was leaning. But I, you know, I I know that it wasn't really as much a growing question as it was 
uh, hardscape question. It so is, I, I it is a question that everybody who has one of these decks has. Um, one of the first shows we did from here in the Lehigh Valley, we got a call about what to put under a deck. And in your case, especially considering the river does flood and you mm -hmm. have a high water table, mm -hmm. you get a real pro to do this. They can angle the concrete just so slightly away from the house. And uh, you, you might even, uh, does water go through the boards of the deck? Oh yeah. Okay, well then you can, if you wish, make little channels at the edge of the concrete mm -hmm. so that the water will be directed towards some of your favorite plants. Right, kind of like French draining, right? Well, French drains go straight into the ground. This would be more like water harvesting. Okay. You, you make a little, uh, little canal-like thing. And that way, instead of uh, the water just all going uh, willy-nilly, higgly-piggly, it'll go to a plant that really likes water. Right. Okay. Okay. Good, good suggestions. And again, thank you very much. Keep up the good work. Oh, thank you. I really <laughs> appreciate that. And, you know, if this is work, I'm getting off easy in life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Have a great day. You too, Linda. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and remind everyone that we are now in the times of hot and heavy weather, except in Syracuse where it is still winter. But the rest of you should measure your rainfall and be ready to hit your plants with an inch of H2O any week. We don't get good rain. But don't go out to check your rain gauge just yet because we'll be right back with solutions for slugs and cabbage worms and more of your wormy phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Rodale Institute, whose organic field day is now 100% online. Running from July 13th to the 17th, Participants will receive access to on-demand video presentations and live Q&A sessions with Rodale Institute experts. Topics will include composting, soil health, cover crops, and more. More information at RodaleInstitute.org. Rodale Institute, because the future is organic. Welcome back to another all-new episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath. Coming up later in the show, a missive from across the pond leads us to remind people what to do to prevent cabbage worm damage and get rid of their sluggies. We're also going to explain exactly why Copper electrocutes the little slimers. You won't want to miss it, and you won't if you stay tuned. Well, now time for a special treat. We're going to welcome our special guest, Julia Tomei, from my favorite organization, the Pennsylvania Horticultural Society, which we all affectionately call PHS, the people who put on the 
Philadelphia Flower Show every year, but they do a lot more than that. Julia, you're up. Tell us about the big contest that is coming up really soon. Hi, everybody. Happy to tell you about the contest. Um, we have the, the gardening contest has been going on with PHS since 1975. So this isn't anything new, but it's taken a lot of different turns over the years. And this year, given the situation um, that our communities are facing, we will be doing it a little bit differently this year. So the contest this year is an entirely online contest. So all the plants are going to be wearing masks. Yes. Well, no. Okay. So <laughs> um, actually the way that we'll be doing it this year is we will be, folks can sign up online and submit photos of their gardens and answer a gardening questionnaire um, to, to meet the criteria of the contest. And experienced volunteer judges will review those entries um, and we'll be making decisions later in the summer. Oh, and before the pandemic, um, you guys used to go out in person. Correct. Correct. Now, do your plants have to be six feet apart? I mean, uh, you know, it's <laughs> like, uh, do the plants need to be socially distanced? People, you would get better tomatoes if your plants were six feet apart. <laughs> actually, no, we want to see lots of plants in the garden. So that's what we really want to see. So there's actually three um, different categories of entries that, can, that you can make this year. You can enter your outdoor garden, and these are these are home gardens. They need to be gardens that are tended by non-professionals. Um, all different kinds of home gardens um, right. are eligible. Grow food, ornamentals, any 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 of the above. Um, we also have a category called public space gardens. So these are spaces where volunteers come together and either um, beautify a place in their neighborhood. This also includes community gardens can enter and other places where people garden together. Yeah. I saw a group of people doing this outside the Emmaus Library just the other day, all volunteers, all with flats of plants, trying to make the place pretty. Fabulous. So, so they could enter maybe. That would be great. Um, and this year we have a really exciting new category. First time, like I said, we've been doing this since 1975, but this is the very first time we have a category of indoor houseplant gardens. Uh-oh. You know, it's still not legal to grow in Pennsylvania, you know. <laughs> well, we hope so. The, what this category includes is, is a room with at least eight plants in it. Mm -hmm. um, and we're looking, we'll be looking at some of the same things, the design, the beauty, the sustainability of the work that you do, and so on. So indoor houseplants. We've got lots of interest in that category this year. Okay. Geographically, what's the range? Because this is not a national organization. You're based in Philly, but you've been doing much more work outside of Philly over the years. Right. So for this contest, um, gardens are eligible if they're located in Pennsylvania, Delaware, or New Jersey, anywhere in those three states. Um, and then that way we feel like our judges are able to really look at those gardens and are, are, are able to um, judge them appropriately based on, on their knowledge. So for this year, it's the three-state three area. All right, New Yorkers, forget about it. <laughs> Where do people go online? Yeah, so online, you go to phsonline.org forward slash gardening contest is the, is the website to get to register. And it's kind of a two-step process. You register initially, and then we send you all the information for the contest. And then you have um, 
to submit your photos and your um, answer questions to a, a to a to a survey about your about your gardening conditions. And originally, this contest was going to end on June twentieth, but we had uh, all sorts of issues getting you on the show. We really wanted to. So you've graciously uh, agreed to extend it to, I believe, June 26th? We have. We, we have a lot of people who are wanting to enter the contest and we wanting a little bit more time to get their entries in. And so we have extended the deadline to June the 26th that you have to submit to upload your photos and to answer those questions that we were talking about. Okay. So phsonline.org. And then I'm sure there's something to click on that says garden contest, right? Absolutely. And this is any kind of a garden, a group garden, an individual garden. Like you said, uh, rooftop gardens. Ah, in Philly, there are so many beautiful rooftop gardens out there. Yeah, so small gardens, large gardens, new gardeners, gardeners who've been gardening for many years, uh, they're all eligible. We would love to have you participate. It's a fun of competition. You'll get feedback on your garden from the, your judging team um, and bragging rights if you win an award. And what do you get? A new car? A lounge suite? A backyard swimming pool installed? So yeah, so we, we judge people who will either be judged as a blue ribbon garden, a garden of distinction, or a proud participant. So it's like I said, it's bragging rights and it's um, the ability to connect with other gardeners. We'll have several different um, ways that you can connect with others throughout the year. Um, and we hope that it's a learning process. We've got classes you can take and, and events you can participate in. What is it, a virtual blue ribbon? Um, in past years, we've done a yard sign. We haven't decided exactly what the, what the awards will look like this year, but there will be something. Okay, very good. Uh, bragging rights. Yeah, the important thing is to have fun and to, to enter and be proud of your garden and to share it with others. And, and that we'll be doing a lot of sharing through social media, on our website, and in other ways. So it's a great way. And I would say, too, if you're interested in judging, we're looking for volunteer judges. And that's a great way also to get, if you're an experienced gardener, to get to a peek into different gardens in the area and, and, and also help us out with judging at the same time. The show, uh, You Bet Your Garden, has a Facebook page. And this season... We have gotten more pictures of people's gardens and stories of their experiences than I think in all the years previous. I mean, Julia, you know how expansive gardening has become this season. We've got a whole generation of new gardeners out there, and the people who are growing are ridiculously proud of what they're doing. Absolutely. I think that it's a great way to, to, you know, everybody's getting involved right now. People are, that are at home, they understand the importance of growing food. They understand the, the importance of beauty. And the contest is a way to help to help you get focused on your garden because what we're, it, we're asking everybody to kind of look at five um, different criteria, both the beauty and the design of the garden, plant health and productivity if you're growing food. Sustain, we're also looking at sustainability practices and resourcefulness, and I think that's we're seeing a lot of that with gardeners are, are paying attention to that. So in our judging, we'll be paying attention to sustainability and resourcefulness. We'll also be looking at um, the way that gardeners are able to create habitat for um, pollinators, for beneficial wildlife. Um, for yeah. deer, 
rabbits, groundhogs, evil squirrels. Um, I got so much habitat, I barely got anything to eat anymore. Well, you know, someone's benefiting, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The deer are getting fat near my house. All right. Julia Tomei from PHS. Uh, thank you for speaking to us about the Pennsylvania Horticultural Society's gardening contest open to residents of New Jersey, Delaware, Pennsylvania. Uh, you get all the details at phsonline.org. Don't forget the online, cats and kittens. All right, Julia, thank you so much for being with us this morning. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Oh, thank you for being had. Now it's time for more of your phone calls at 833-727-9588. Harry, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thanks for having me, Mike. Well, thanks for being had. How are you, Harry? Uh, doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. And where is Harry good. doing good? In uh, New Brunswick, Canada. Oh, okay. Another Canadian. We're getting through up there. Um, yeah. Very good. What can we do you for? The first question was, I was mowing this year by my pond. I have a big pond on my property. Mm-hmm. And I noticed an odd plant I had never noticed kind of everywhere. Strange-looking little plant. Mm-hmm. And I looked it up, and I found that it was uh, seems to be common horsetail. Oh, okay. And, Very interesting plant. Yeah, and I never saw it before. And then I started Googling it, and, of course, it was like nightmare stories of it spreading everywhere so fast. And we have a vegetable garden, a pretty big vegetable garden, but it's about 400 feet from the pond. But I didn't know if it's something I can uh, keep by the pond because I kind of like it. Okay, uh, very good. Yes, the answer is absolutely yes. Uh, horsetail is an amazing plant. It's prehistoric. It's one of the oldest plants known to exist. And it has a high silica content, kind of like sand. So it has a long history of being used as a, a kind of like a natural Brillo pad. It is said to be excellent for scrubbing out pots and pans. And some gardeners will grow a small patch of it and use it to clean out nasty looking bird baths. Um, it is a remarkable kind of natural cleanser with an insanely long history on this planet. Now, it does, it does spread by underground rhizomes like running bamboo, but there's no reason that you couldn't draw kind of a Maginot line, install deep edging. I would go for professional rhizome barrier. You'll find um, many landscapers who can install this. It goes underground and it prevents the rhizomes from going any further, kind of containing them. So in that, in that case, you could have your horse tail, well, and not eat it too. I wouldn't recommend eating silica. But you could have your horse tail and keep it contained near the pond where I can see um, it would be uh, a very great looking plant to accent the pond. Yeah, it looks beautiful. Uh, then yesterday, because it was a few days ago, I noticed it. Yesterday, we have a new flower, a new uh, flower garden that we, we tore up a bunch of old um, that fabric that they lay down. We tore it up, but now I see some of that horsetail is in that garden, which is only about 20 feet from our vegetable garden. I would dig up that bed. It's interesting. So they used weed fabric to try to keep it 
from popping up again. I would. I'm kind of wondering. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Um, either you personally, or you and your friends, or hire some school kids to dig up that area, um, get all the rhizomes out that you can. All, and at this time, you'll see if there's a trail going back to the patch by the pool. They may be okay. isolated. And if they are, you're in New Brunswick, so you can't really solarize the soil. You don't have a long enough summer. But Yeah, so I would just, I would just excavate that area, try to get every root out, and then just cover it with like four inches of arborist wood chips for a year or two to smother it. Okay, okay. And uh, that's great, Mike. Thanks so much. And the other quick question I had was uh, we got watermelons growing up here and we're doing the black plastic like I had read you had mentioned in one of your uh, in a In a cold climate, uh, when you're growing a heat-seeking crop like watermelon, it makes sense to cover the earth with black plastic, yes. And should, how often, do you have a quick answer to how often a watermelon needs to be watered? Well, because you have the black plastic in place, it's going to retain water very well. But it is okay. a thirsty plant, obviously, that's how it's got its name. Um, how big are <laughs> the slits that you have the plants growing out of? I haven't planted yet because, like I said, the frost has just stopped. Oh, okay. Right, so. Okay. So we so, haven't planted yet. You, you understand that you yeah. have to, uh, you know, create slits in the black plastic to plant the watermelon. Right, yeah, and I have a soaker hose I was planning on Excellent. using. Excellent, excellent. So, you know, I would give them, and again, you're in a cool climate. It's really not going to utilize the water so much to battle the heat as it's just going to utilize it internally. Um, what variety of watermelon are you, are you growing? I, I hope it's a short season variety. Are they icebox? It is a short season. I have to find the seeds. My girlfriend ordered all the seeds, but it is a small, good, short season watermelon for sure. Good, good. Yeah, I would, I would make sure it gets watered deeply once a week. Now, it's, okay. it's also possible that when we get to late July, you get a heat wave. Yep, yep. It gets pretty hot there for a little bit, not long. Okay. During that time, if it doesn't rain, you can up that to, you know, twice a week. Okay. So pretty right. simple. I didn't know if it was every day. Oh, you know, um, I just read a quote. I can't remember who said it, but uh, watering a garden is an art just like seasoning a soup. You know, appreciate you really need it. to follow your instincts. I really appreciate it. You really help us out up here. We uh, try all, most of your, all your ideas, and sometimes people have thought we were crazy up here, but uh, you really help us. Uh, it's hard to find reliable information, so we really appreciate your show. Oh, thank you and so much. That's very kind of you to say. Thanks oh. so much, Mike. All right, good luck. And call back later on in the season to ask me how you can tell when your watermelons are ripe. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and remind all of you that your garden needs an inch of water a week from you or from the sky. And the right way for you to deliver that water is deep and long. Set your sprinklers to come on at 5 or 6 a.m. and off at 9 or 10. But only in the a.m. and only once a week and only when we don't get rain. But don't go apologizing to your wilted tomatoes just yet because we'll be right back with the reason slugs sizzle when they touch copper and more of your sizzling phone calls. 
I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome back to an all-new episode of You Bet Your Garden. From the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I am your host, Mike McGrath. And we're in the stretch now, cats and kittens. In just a little bit, we'll tell you why slugs sizzle when they touch copper and why those little white butterflies in your garden are not to be enjoyed, but perhaps destroyed. Before that, a couple more of your fabulous phone calls at 833-727-9588. Nancy, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to have you here, Nance. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. A little hot today, but I'm doing well. Yep, yep. It's that time of year. And where is Nancy doing well? I live in Northampton, Pennsylvania. Okay, very good. What can we do you for? Okay, um, I have some issues with bugs or some type of a critter eating my garden. Mostly they have eaten the leaves off my pepper plants and a few other things. I, my um, basil, mm-hmm. cucumbers, uh, not so bad on the cucumbers, but the pepper plants, they've totally eaten all the leaves off. Uh, what's the possibility that it's rabbits or deer? Well, we put a brand new fence around our garden this year, mm-hmm. and I saw a rabbit trying to get in because my dog was chasing it, uh-huh. and the rabbit went on one side and couldn't get in, went on the other side, and then finally slid under a fence outside, out to outside of the garden. How big is the garden? There's a walkway between them, and okay. I would say six foot by, well, maybe six by six, something like that. Okay, so they're not raised beds gardens? No, okay. no. When deer do damage, it's the tops of the plants that are eaten off. Yeah, I, there's no deer. I'm in a uh, neighborhood where there's houses and, you know, it's not the woods. And oh, you got to be I've kidding. Never... In Northampton, they're playing <laughs> card games while you're sleeping. <laughs> You've got bears roaming through the middle of town. Oh, I heard. I heard that. Yes. <laughs> so I'm going to suggest you have slugs. And I put beer out, Mike, in okay. saucers, one on each side. Right. I did see some slugs, but not a heck of a lot till this morning. And I sent you that picture where I lifted up the saucer and it was full of, and you said, centipedes. Right. I remember your email now. Yes, you had a load of garden centipedes. Oh, my God. I can't believe how many there were. Yes. Um, Now, garden centipedes can go either way. They generally Mm -hmm. work the soil. They generally work slowly at eating debris on top of the soil and turning it into richer soil. But sometimes Mm -hmm. they can get out of control. This sounds like a perfect solution for D-E, diatomaceous earth. Thank you. That's what I put on them. After I took the picture, I squirted, you know, dusted that whole area with them, with that D-E. And it was very effective, right? 
you know what? I haven't gone back out and looked, but I'm, I after I put it on and I kind of went over to the other side of the garden and was looking, there weren't very many of them moving. All right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, DE is a prehistoric material. It's the remains of vast numbers of ocean-going creatures called diatoms, and those areas mm -hmm. are not oceans anymore. They're mountains, and they mine this flower-like substance that's the crushed shells of the diatoms, and it feels like flour to us, but on a microscopic right. level, it's very sharp, and it pierces soft-bodied creatures like slugs and centipedes and uh, even roaches. It's used for roach control indoors. Huh. Well, I have been put. I have put that around, and I seems to have delayed, like stopped a lot of the eating so far because I planted a couple new pepper plants. Because, do you think those other ones, once the leaves are gone, they they won't come back, will they? There's never any way to find out. But if you've got the room and you don't need the spot, leave them in the ground for another couple of weeks. Yeah, because I kind of dug around and I did see leaves underneath where the soil was, and I thought, well, maybe they're coming back. So I didn't want to, you know, defeat my purpose and rip them out. Right. Now, uh, there's two kinds of centipedes. There is the house centipede that scares a lot of people. It's a kind of a, right. a large creature that looks like uh, somebody's toupee fell off and it's running away from you. But they, wow. they are amazing predators of indoor pests. As I said, uh -huh. garden centipedes, they're, a lot of times they don't do damage. Sometimes they do. Uh, do you have mulch around the plants? No. Uh, the only mulch I put was compost. Okay. So I only put compost, and I put eggshells. I follow your garden information mm -hmm. all the time and your tomatoes, and I put eggshells in the ground for the tomatoes. Excellent. And I, I also bought um, earthworm castings. Yeah, that's fine. That's a gr good and little fertilizer. And I put fertilizer. that around. Yeah. Yeah. No harm there. So um, what you do is you keep spreading the DE. You don't have to hit them directly, but if the soil is dry, they can't cross over it. So you make little white circles around all your plants. And mm -hmm. you simply have to reapply it after rain because it has to be right. dry to work. But right. uh, I think you should be able to get this under control. I think so, too. I think it started since I got the DE. I think it has helped. And I haven't seen, like I said, I planted some new plants and I didn't see anything disturbing them so i'm thinking um and the beer i i do see slugs in the beer okay and good. i saw some of those earwig things in the beer this morning sure. when i went yeah. out there uh -huh. so and there was some other kind of bug i don't know what it was but yeah, i'm thinking well, that between the the de and the beer i think i'm helping my oh garden. yeah absolutely now the trick with beer is make sure it's fresh fill up your yes i put a a new can every night. Yeah, okay, great, <laughs> great. And cheap beer is just as good. Yeah, I bought cheap Miller Lite. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> All right, well, I think you're on your way to success here. Thank you so much, Mike. I really do appreciate all your help, and I, you have a great show. Oh, thank you so much. You have a good season. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Well, as promised, it's time for the question of the week, which we're calling Fighting Bugs, Butterflies, and Slugs in Scotland. Raymond and Jennifer in Blantyre, Scotland, right? We have an allotment, kind of the UK form of American community gardening, which is generally very productive. 
However, we are growing more lettuce and brassicas than ever before and have problems with birds and the white cabbage butterfly. I wish to use netting against the butterfly, but I have made poor netting choices in the past and don't want birds caught in the net anymore. What size of netting would you suggest for effective cabbage white production without tangling up the birds? There are also many holes in the leaves of our plant, probably slug damage as we have damp climate conditions. Jennifer, who is originally from Illinois, says the weather here in the west of Scotland is a lot like Seattle, so slugs are our personal enemy. We use beer traps, which if Raymond doesn't drink the beer, are quite effective. The BBC Gardener's World and the Allotment Society Forum suggests a dense mesh close to fleece as the most effective control of the cabbage whites. All right, well, I visited the west coast of Scotland back in the 70s, and it is indeed quite damp. But I want to address this butterfly issue first. The vast majority of caterpillar pests are the offspring of moths, but two butterflies also come to mind. The larval form of the swallowtail butterfly likes to feed on the greenery of carrots, fennel, dill, and parsley. In fact, the common name of one of the little beasties here is the parsley worm. Once the baby caterpillars achieve a decent size, they turn into a creature so beautiful I've never had the heart to try and control them. They're black and yellow on a field of green, and second only to the monarch caterpillar in good looks. The big ones can also be prompted to display a really cool trick. When threatened, they can pop up a specialized organ from the back of their neck, a spike-like thing coated with noxious chemicals that smells, quote, like rancid butter. Fun for the entire family. And of course, the butterflies they become are drop-dead gorgeous. The cabbage white butterfly has no such nice things going for it. It's a drab butterfly that gives birth to the, quote, cabbage worm a nasty piece of work whose green color blends in perfectly with the crops it's devouring. And our Scottish couple have been given sound advice on a prime deterrent, although the terminology is a little different than what we use in the U.S. First, they don't want bird netting of any kind, not only because of the tangle angle, but because birds are excellent predators of pest caterpillars. Many gardeners will provide nesting boxes and bird baths near threatened plants and avoid artificial feeding outside of winter because you don't want your birds to fill up on seed instead of cabbage worms. Entomology note. Although the term worm is applied to a huge number of agricultural pests like the tomato hornworm, cutworm, corn earworm, etc., all are caterpillars, not worms of any kind. Anyway, a cover of, quote, fleece sounds a lot like we hear on the other side of the pond called floating row cover. It's a light, breathable fabric that creates an excellent barrier against egg laying and similar insect attacks. As a bonus, it also increases the growth rate of plants in chilly areas, and it can be used on any crop that doesn't flower, like all of the brassicas. There's also the original strain of Bt for caterpillar control. You spray this naturally occurring soil organism on a plant, and any caterpillar what chews the sprayed leaves will stop feeding and die. 
BT harms nothing else, not birds, bees, frogs, toads, or even adult butterflies, because they're not chewing on the leaves of the plant. I couldn't find any information on its availability in Europe, but if I had cabbage white problems, I'd try and seek it out. And then we have the slimy slug, the first pest to consider when plants are eaten overnight. Beer traps can be very effective, but the beer has to be fresh, poured into its containers at sunset. Cheap beer is fine, but I never saw any in England, Scotland, or Wales where, quote, the worst beer always seemed to be equal to America's best. And again, we have another great non-toxic slug control in the States, but I'm sure if it's available in Europe. Sold under brand names like Sluggo and Escar Go, its little pellets of yeast are laced with iron phosphate. The slugs go for the yeast and the iron does them in. And as we mentioned a few shows ago, copper barriers can also be very effective against slugs. Now, after that show ran, we were challenged by Andrea in Brighton, Michigan, which is west of Detroit, north of Ann Arbor, who writes, you say that copper causes slugs to get electrocuted. From a chemical or physics perspective, how is the electricity that zaps the creatures generated? Well, we found the answer in a post by biomedical scientist Chris Bland, and we quote, copper reacts with the slime that covers slugs, resulting in an unpleasant electroneural signal similar to an electrical shock. The slime is mostly water with dissolved proteins, glycoproteins, and metal ions, since neuron action potentials are often regulated by fluctuations in metal ion concentrations across neuronal membranes, it makes sense that copper irons may induce painful stimuli. We'll have all the details when we post this question of the week at the Gardens Alive website. Well, that sure was some interesting advice on how to control the common pests of two nations, now wasn't it? Luckily for those of you who wish to read the information over, with links to detailed advice about the shocking effects of copper and the super cool swallowtail butterfly and its caterpillar, the question of the week appears in print at the Gardens Alive website. Just click the link for the question of the week at our website, which is still and will forever be youbetyourgarden.com. O-R-G. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden Question of the Week, and you will always find the latest question of the week where? At the Gardens Alive website. Special thanks to entomologist Dr. Michael Rapp, the bug guy, for all of the cool swallowtail information I lifted from his exceptional website without his knowledge. Okay, Mike, I said exceptional, so please don't sue me. Yikes, my producer is threatening to slug my sassafras if I don't get out of this studio. We must be out of time. But you can call us anytime at 833-727-9588 or send us your email. You're tired, you're poor, you're wretched refuse teeming towards our garden shore at ybyg at wlvt.org. Always please include your location when you email us. 
you'll find all of this contact information, plus answers to hundreds of your gardening questions. Audio of this show, video of this show, audio and video of old shows, hey, and links to our internationally renowned podcast. It's all at that website, YouBetYourGarden.org. You Bet Your Garden is a half-hour public television show, an hour-long public radio show and podcast, all produced and delivered to you weekly by Rodale Institute Radio and Television at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Our radio show is distributed by PRX, the public radio exchange. You Bet Your Garden was created by Mike McGrath. Mike McGrath was created when an ancient wizard told him to, quote, speak my name in an abandoned subway tunnel. Mike called the police. Shazam! Ken Queter plays our theme song. Our chief content officer is Yoni Greenbaum. Our angel of the airwaves is Christine Dempsey. Our engineer is cheerful Charlie Sarah. Our social media director is Amanda Norfleet. Check out her fine work and ponder so many pretty pictures at the You Bet Your Garden Facebook page. Our peerless princess of profound production is Tavia Minnick. Our website wonder is Nicole Harrell. Our audio editor is the lovely Jonas Bowen. Our video editor is judicious Jake Boyer. Our harassed and harried director is Javier Diaz. Eric Werner is not here in physical form, but his astral body is doing fine work. I think Zach Katak and John Flynn are in the house, maybe Bill Semler too, but I can't be sure as we are required to operate in separate dimensions while inside the building. Continued thanks to our fearless leader, CEO Tim Fallon, who either keeps allowing us to come in to take new material or still has no idea that we've been breaking into the place for the past three months. I'm your host, Mike McGrath, saying keep your eyes on the butterflies, your beer on the slugs, and keep that mask on until Ducky sounds the all clear. And Ducky and I will see you again next week. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ah, this is the ticket. Oh, it is, is it? Beautiful night. I got my best girl with me. Although, you know what could make it even better? Let me guess. Some mint chocolate chip. Bingo. You always get a little sappy when that sweet tooth kicks in. Partners since the beginning. Throughout life, you have many different partners. Shouldn't you have one for the most important aspect of life? Your health. Lehigh Valley Health Network. Your health deserves a partner. Learn more at lvhn.org. What can you expect to hear on You Bet Your Garden next week? Hilarity, bad jokes, a small amount of useful information, and me. At least as long as these bolt cutters keep working, this station must buy locks by the caseload. I'm Mike McGrath, and you can expect the unexpected on the next You Bet Your Garden plus your fabulous phone calls.